0: Hello and welcome to Next. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. If you get an opportunity, go to Facebook and like our page, uh, lend your voice to the dialogue. You can also contact us at 814NEXT on Twitter. Uh, Respond to whatever you'd like to respond. We'd love to hear your voice. Thank you for tuning in. Political season is upon us, whether it is the school board race, the mayoral race, county council, or city council. Everyone will have an opportunity to kind of lend their voice to what's going on in community via the vote very soon. We reached out to all 10 candidates that are running for the uh, four seats that are available in city council. And fortunately, seven of the 10 were able to get back with us and um, uh, come on and and engage with us about their candidacy, what motivates them to run and what they hope to see from Erie, Pennsylvania. And so we'll break this up into two segments. The first segment, we'll we'll have an opportunity to, to talk to three special guests. Uh, For for that segment, we'll start with Elspeth Cole, uh, Mr. Chuck Nelson, and Liz Allen. Elspeth, Chuck, and Liz, welcome to the show. All right. And so, Liz, we'll start with you because you are actually an incumbent. You were first elected in 2017, and you're seeking a second four-year term. And so you are looking to do this again. Talk to us about your why. Why are you wanting to run again? And give us a, a basic platform of what you hope to see from Erie, Pennsylvania.
1: I thought long and hard about whether I wanted to run again. <clears throat> and in fact, I had conversations with uh, Elspeth, uh, Kate Kayley, and a couple of other people. Everybody was wondering, what are you go- going to do? And it, after. As a neophyte to council, this this is not my natural forum. I'm I'm been a long time journalist. One of the things that um, ended up telling me that I could I could do this again and that I could do a good job was a Christmas card I got from the mayor. Uh, There's a picture of his family on there, and you get it when you're when you're on council. You end up getting. Cards from, you know, Senator Bob Casey and and everybody else put you on their list. But the mayor wrote on my card. He said, "Keep asking the hard questions," and there was something about that sentence that I really appreciated, because I don't always vote in lockstep with the mayor, but I always ask questions, and I think that that's a value that 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 I bring to council. Um, it is critical thinking and also uh, research. And mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about, you know, two of, um, you know, both Chuck and, and Kate on the, the Zoom today. You know, Chuck had an op-ed about land value tax. Um, so immediately after I read his op-ed, I went and it sounded familiar to me. So I went and I did some research. And I I remembered that, or I found by doing some research that uh, Mario Bagnoni had actually championed a. a uh, <clears throat> uh, land value tax mm-hmm. years ago, <clears throat> it was approved by council and then vetoed by, uh, Mayor Savaccio, and council could not override the veto. So I don't know everything there is to know about the land value tax, but I certainly want to learn more. Mm-hmm. I know Kate has been a strong advocate of community benefit agreements. And I think we're in a position right now with the community college coming online, where we'll actually be able to deliver on that for projects that are funded um uh, by public dollars my three I, I actually i found a platform i had written when i ran for city council president two years ago and had 10 points that 10 10 things is, is too many to communicate to people mm-hmm. so i boiled it down to, to three things to talk about today equity and inclusion uh budget and spending and process and i think we need to draw on the lessons from the Uh, SPCP, which is the Strengthening Police and Community Partnership Mm -hmm. uh, Organization, Mm -hmm. I attended a meeting with them last week and I said that's not an acronym that rolls off the tongue easily. And somebody private messaged me and said that that acronym actually came from the Justice Department and a previous administration, not not the city, but at the US level wanted to call it Pact. I think Mm -hmm. police and community something. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. You know, you want to pack, you want to be able to to build those relationships. And I was really impressed by what I learned at SPCP, but I think we have to go beyond that. We have to look at um, the city, you know, any ordinances Mm -hmm. that we pass through an equity and inclusion Mm -hmm. lens. And we have the ability to do that by drawing on the advisory groups that the mayor has has already set up. So Liz, Liz, uh, I Liz. I talked to a friend of mine in Wisconsin.
0: Liz, let me, let, me, let me utilize some of that as a follow-up question. You're unpacking a lot. I want to get to these other two guests in this first segment okay. and then come back to you. Chuck, she, okay. she referenced your op-ed. Let's start with you. Uh, Chuck, talk to us a little bit about your background, your platform, and give us your why. Why are you in this race?
2: So uh, I, I pastor a church in the 16501 Zipco, which has the lowest median household income in the world. In the nation and as as i've set out to as we set out to start that church 10 years ago the idea was to go and serve where there was the greatest need and i, I really think that the the way that we were able to best address that need was through that, it was through that building of a community that um that reached and and built relationships into those that had need so uh to make s- some work that we've done with liz we were talking before the call about interviews and stuff She's had two different articles about homeless or displacement happening downtown. I get quoted in those articles. I'm, I'm the reference point there. Um, you know, there's, there's spots where we were trying to find um, a place to, to build relationships and lift people up. But in the midst of that, you find and see a lot of the problems that exist in you know, our community, our culture. And I think that I'm in a unique position to address those. I've, I've done the research. I, I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to reading. I, I love finding solutions. And for the most part, I was just content to speak about solutions, but the reason that I first ever ran for office was that, as much as I love seeing the solutions as much as I love to study the injustice, and try to address it, uh, I didn't see po- politics as the means to it until one of my uh one of my friends one one of the guys from church was uh he was on, out on probation and he had had a revocation because of panhandling and uh loitering and I was visiting him at the prison and he asked me if I could fix it for him and i I thought like no, I really, I can't fix it. Um, but it was an ordinance that city council had just passed. And so uh, as I walked away from him and as I talked to a couple of friends, I realized, you know, I probably could fix it. This, this buddy of mine, Kyle, he probably can't ever like actually fix these things. And even if he spoke out mm-hmm. citizens to be heard, he probably wouldn't really be heard. But, um, but I could probably swim upstream far enough to actually fix these problems that are working downstream. Now, Liz mentions the land value tax. You know, it was, yeah, Mario, uh, I talked to Kaz about it. Uh, Phil English reached out to me on LinkedIn about it. It's It was a big conversation in the 90s and other places had that conversation at the same time and they went ahead with it. Mm. So now we've got like a proven track record as to what this does for investment in our community and in particular what it does for investment in the communities that have seen disinvestment. Uh, you know, all of us live on the West side. Um, I live in the West Bayfront, and we can see how historic policies with, with redlining and such. You know, this, this West Bayfront neighborhood that I live in has the most different, most different colors of the redlined map of any mm-hmm. neighborhood in Erie. We can see how those policies from 100 years ago play into today. I think I've actually got solutions to address some of that, uh, some of the problems that have been built into our system for 100 mm-hmm. years, or much further even. And, uh, and, and that's what I hope to do in office, is bring those solutions to the table.
0: Chuck, we appreciate that. Elspeth, let's bring you in with the same conversation. Before we were online, before we were live, I was talking to Elspeth a bit, and this is a young woman that's been very, very passionate about community. I've actually followed her work as an advocate and activist for Erie for quite some time. Elspeth, talk to us a bit about your platform and your why in terms of why you're running to be on city council.
3: Well, before I do that, I just want to say that black lives matter and that i i really hope that dante wright's family um it's the justice that they deserve um and all the people affected by you know police misconduct um and that's one of the reasons that i i am running because i see injustice in our own city i advocate like you said marcus you know all the time every time i'm available i go to city hall or go to the zoom meetings for city council and You know, try to advocate for things, policies that will help renters, policies like community benefit agreements that I consider to be anti-racism policies, you know, Um, protecting renters, protecting marginalized communities. You know, that's what I've always advocated for. And like Chuck says, you know, like if if you can't get it done just speaking to council or just, you know, trying to call the mayor's office or email the administration, you know. I feel like the best way at this point for me to be a real advocate is to be on council and just do it myself.
0: Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. This is, this is an interesting group because I think that there are so many authentic vantage points coming from this group. Chuck, your, your background with, with having a church and living just a few blocks from the church is very compelling. You know, you serve a marginalized group. Liz, your background in, in journalism has really been obvious and apparent in the the first term that you've served, and I think that that skill set has served you well, and obviously, Elspeth, as I pointed out before, you've always been a champion of Erie. I wanna wanna know if any of you can kinda give us, you've given us your why, give us one or two of the, we'll say one, (laughs) give us one of the red flags that really keeps you up at night that you wanna go after if elected to this position. We'll start with whoever jumps in and I, then we'll go I think, around from there. <laughs>
1: okay. I think a red flag that keeps me up is you talked about the why, then we need to talk about the how. Because we need you need to have four votes. And in order to have four votes, we need to look at the process. We need to and this probably, you know, Chuck talks about being nerdy. I wish we had genuine committee structures. When we talk about equity and inclusion and you talk about the panhandling ordinance, I voted against that. Not only did I vote against it, but we've never had any data to tell us how many people have been cited for panhandling and did it address the problem that the downtown merchants Good had. point. So I wish I wish we had a way to focus on process and training for council members. Mm-hmm. And that does actually keep me mm-hmm. up at night.
2: Yeah, Chuck, that what's the red flag for you to keep you up at night? You know, and to echo some of those, I mean, we need four votes. We need people that can they can build the relationships across council to to help them see those perspectives to get those four votes. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that I think get neglected, even even within our third class city code that is the responsibilities of council that we seem to be the only third class city that council doesn't do it. But the uh, the thing that really keeps me up at night is actually achieving the goals. You know, like. Whether whether we research examples, whether we advocate for stuff, you know, when we talk about um, caring for marginalized people, when we talk about, you know, for me, it's not it's not um, just advocating on their behalf. And in our ministry, we've taken dozens of guys off the streets, dozens of folks that that we've helped carry through the process. We've got them into apartments. We reach out. We furnish those apartments. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, it's not just about having the voice, about having it's about it's about getting the results, getting the the outcomes that we all. And to be honest with with the three of us that are on this call, I those are three people that I think are going to be voting together quite a bit if we all were to be elected. Um, m- my concern is whether or not we can get not just the one vote at a time, but, but getting the four votes so that, or five if it needs to be veto proof mm-hmm. so that we actually get the results that we desire to see. And you can't do that through, through fighting against people. You need to do that through uh, bringing people together and finding your common point to bring people in to get those votes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that's one of the things that I uh, uniquely bring to the table in Mm -hmm.
0: that. Elspeth, I see you shaking your head. Run with that question, please.
3: Yeah, I agree with Chuck and I agree with Liz. Um, Policy, procedure, you know, um, set um, committees and getting those four votes is is the whole point. We're running on a slate, you know, the three of us, myself, um, Kendrick Tate and Jasmine Flores, because we really... Understand that to get things done, we need to vote as a block. You know, we need to mm-hmm. vote together to really affect anything. Um, um, ask the question again, Marcus. Okay? No, no, just the
0: the red flag that keeps you up at night. You know, that that oh, thing that, that you look at and <laughs> say, you know what, that really needs to be addressed. What's that thing for you?
3: I mean, it's it's really not much that has to do like lo- locally. You know. Um, minimum wage is something that really bothers me because it's been the same since 2009. But I guess if it's the local as question, it would be, you know, we give a lot away in the city, um, through tax abatement or, you know, RACP people get, you know, tax money, like taxpayers money to, to do their, their things, their projects or CDBG money, you know, and, Some of those projects aren't benefiting the community in the ways that I think that they possibly could. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my, you know, that's kind of like my slogan, like no big giveaways without CBAs. You know, I want anything that that taxpayers are putting their money into. They need to see a return on their investment.
0: Mm -hmm. So you're setting up my next question. Liz alluded to equity. And I think right now, equity, diversity, inclusion, this is turning into kind of this this buzz term, per se. It's almost like white noise, you know, that that used to play when TV went off back in the day. And people are starting to tune it out. I want, to the best of your ability, when you think about that, be it from uh, an occupational standpoint with the city and um, from a neighborhood standpoint, because now, you know, you've got different neighborhood groups and everything else. Uh, Some people are underserved. What does equity, diversity and inclusion look like from all of your vantage points? And how should we be going after this in a tangible way as a city? We've got a mayor who's committed himself to eradicating racism. He says, he's bringing in consultation to to kind of deal with that. You've got SPCP, all of these different efforts. What's working in your mind? What should we be doing to try to level the playing field as a city?
1: one of the things that i think is working is county council when it declared racism as a public health issue that is exactly the kind of thing that could be considered just blah 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 you know words but what i saw mm-hmm. i'm on a member of the library advisory committee and i saw how the library itself took that charge from county council and examined It's collections. It's hiring policies. It's programming. So they took the words and they said, what are we doing to, you know, address racism as a public health issue? And I was really impressed. I I wish that there were, I think we have the opportunity probably to do some more collaboration with with county council. I'm also involved in that unread line. The city, I think storytelling is really important. And when Mm -hmm. Chuck talks about know the you know he he put a face on that panhandling ordinance here's somebody who ended up you know being cited for it and it it was affecting his life so i think the storytelling is really important the the narrative and the truth telling um you know when he when you talk about redlining uh, when i participated in um a webinar on that a few weeks ago and uh dr mindy full said you know it, it wasn't just um you know certain neighborhoods in in cities that were affected. It was entire cities, the hollowing out. So kind of, you know, looking at those policies, but then putting real people on them. And I'm thinking about the homeless people who are experiencing homelessness. In Philadelphia, there's a, you know, a council or something on homelessness, and they have people who have experienced homelessness who are homeless on that council. We have right now Erie Downtown Partnership talking about, I don't know what it's called, safe spaces or whatever. Do we have people who are
0: homeless,
1: mm. they have a seat at the table. I'm not sure,
0: mm. and you, but you they should it, be. You, you make an excellent hand. point. These narratives that you talk about, these stories, they are very important. And again, I think that is one of the things with this particular group that is very hopeful because in your own lives for years, All three of you have been collecting these real life narratives and interfacing with these real life narratives, not just for or leading up to a campaign run. This is something that you three have embraced in different ways over the years. And so I think that is noteworthy for any of the listeners or viewers as they they listen or watch this this broadcast. So, Elspeth, we'll go to you with that same thing, diversity, equity, inclusion from a neighborhood level, from a citywide level. What does that genuinely look like in your opinion? And then, Chuck. We'll go to you with that same question.
3: I think we have to use the fullest extent, extent of the office. You know what we're what we're legally allowed to do in a third-class city. Um, I think we need to look at HR policies. You know within the city's hiring. I want you know, I want to know why we keep saying we want to hire. You know more um, black and brown police officers or firemen or teachers, but then it never actually happens right. or it happens on a very small scale, right. you know? Um, and and I've, I've talked to so many people who have tried to get jobs with the school district and they're more than qualified. So there's there's some barrier still, you know what I mean? Something There's something along the way that's stopping people from being hired. And I think we all know, you know, what it could be. Um, but I th- that we've got to use the fullest extent of our, uh, uh, capabilities in office to, to look at, to look at how hiring's handled, to look at, you know, where the money's going, you know, that's the big thing, you know, don't just talk about it, put money behind it, right. you know, um,
2: Chuck. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just, I'll just keep rolling right with that. Uh you know, she's talking about hiring practice and, you know, we can compare police and teachers and schools, but. There's different, there's different hiring practices for those. The police are subjected to the uh, civil service test and the rule of three and the military points. We can't do any of that. Federal law with the military hiring and state laws with the, um, with the civil service test. We can advocate on that, but we can't do anything. Um, but I do think I have an outline of solutions to address that as far as creating a pipeline um, civil service test isn't applied to park rangers they have a lot of the police abilities we could go and make that a total community thing Nonprofits have the ability to do police forces um if the city contract with those to create a diverse community policing stuff that would be outside of there's a number of ways we could creatively get around interesting solutions within third class city got a bunch of them but i think that going to one of the things liz said about the hollowing out of city the inequity that we face as a city isn't just in disinvested neighborhoods, the Fifth and Sixth Ward are left carrying a lot of the bill that Mill Creek doesn't have, that Fairview doesn't have. And that comes back to my solution with the land value tax, that it would reduce the taxes on 80% of our residents, um, that it would bring investment into not just stretching the neighborhood back out into the the corners of it, but bring it back into the core. Um, I, I think we have some solutions that we can prove from other communities and bring them into ours to address that inequity.
0: Excellent. So one minute or less, we'll start with Liz. <clears throat> Give us your closing statement in terms of why, would you Liz, will say reelected. Uh, why you should be reelected to this position as the, the potential voters listen and watch.
1: I'd like to be reelected because I work hard. I do my homework. I have the knowledge about Erie's past, but I can also look ahead to the future. And this type of forum where you get to actually listen to other ideas, it's like going to, I don't know, put, put the cherry on my ice cream today because it was just an amazing exchange. Great questions from Marcus and really such good answers and hopeful answers from uh, Elspeth and Chuck, so.
0: Excellent, thank you for that Liz, Liz Allen. And so Elspeth Cole, same situation, same question. What, uh, give us the reason why you are suited for this seat and why should people vote for you?
3: Well, I'd like to be on city council, Marcus, because, um, because I know what it feels like to go to speak to council or the administration and have, you know, the, 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 the hopes and the advocacy just fall on deaf ears. I want to be someone who's up there that will listen and that will engage with the community um, and, you know, have dialogue and conversation and you know, not just create policy or um, vote in ways that are going to not benefit the community. I need to know what the community needs. I want to hear from them and I want to, to um, work in a way that advocates for those people.
2: All right, thank you. Chuck Nelson. I think that I have a, a unique ability to bridge a very broad range of people. Uh, whether it's time that I'm spending coaching wrestling with little kids at the Martin Luther King Center, like your, like your boy, Marcus. Um, if, it's, if it's a matter of the little old ladies at church, I mean, whether it's talking to some retiree in the fifth ward that's worried about <clears throat> taxes being too high and not being able to get police there quick enough, or whether it's someone that's uh, homeless downtown that's worried about you know, whether they're going to be harassed for sitting on a park bench too long or uh, where they're going to get a bite to eat. I think I have a unique position to not just represent a a particular perspective that that is where I'm from, but rather a perspective of wherever you're from, I'll meet you there and I'll represent you well.
0: Mm -hmm. I want to thank all three of you for coming on today. I said it at the outset, but I want to say it again. I really want to thank the three of you for your community service. What I love about community service is either you do it or you don't. There's no favoritism where that's concerned. Either you rolled up your sleeves and got out and represented other people or you didn't. And the three of you have really put the lives of other people at the forefront of your own lives for multiple years. And whenever people like that run for any office as a citizen, I get excited because I try to live my life that way. So thank you for your public service and thank you for offering yourselves up to community in this unique and special way. So, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Allen, Chuck Nelson and Elspeth Cole, all candidates for City Council. Take care, everybody all right and so as we segue to our our next segment and we talk to our other guests uh, we want to keep a couple of things in mind again this is four of the seven seats on erie city council that are available for this may 18th primary this should be a very interesting race eight of the candidates are democrats many of which you're speaking to today two of the, the candidates we're talking to are republicans and so um, with that with the new people this all democratic council that we have right now um, is serving. Councilman Jim Wernarski, currently serving his third term, cannot run again because of city term limit rules. Uh, Councilwoman Kathy Schaff chose not to seek re-election. And Councilman Dave Brennan decided against entering the race. So Brennan is serving the remainder of former City Councilman Cass Kwiatkowski's term, which expires at the end of 2020. Kwiatkowski stepped down from City Council after being elected City Treasurer in 2019, and so missing today are just a few people that are actually running as well. We don't have Maurice Troop today, we don't have Sean Lyons, and we don't have Kendrick Tate, but there was an invitation extended to all three of those gentlemen, and so we're missing them today. We appreciate them offering themselves up to community in this unique way as well, and we wanna thank them for that. Segwaying out of that first segment, again, this is is an exciting time, I believe, for city council. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring people on. You could also put the school board in that same category. We have the potential for a lot of new energy on both of these boards. And when you look at what's being offered across the board in these 10 candidates, certainly as a citizen of Erie, I would imagine that most of you can find yourselves in some way, shape or form in the narrative of any one of these candidates if not multiple candidates and so i think that it's an exciting time for us as citizens and on some level the makeup of city council will look different and we'll get some new thought going on And so we'll bring in the second segment guests we've got four candidates that we are talking to in this segment we've got uh, jasmine flores jasmine welcome to the show we've got marcus p yule marcus welcome to the show And we have Greg Brown and Corey DiLoreto. Greg and Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you all for coming on. Thank you.
4: Thanks.
5: Thank you for having us.
0: And we'll start with Jasmine because Jasmine ran before. Jasmine, you actually had a very strong showing the last time you ran, had an opportunity to kind of get to know you a little bit during that campaign. And uh, as I said to our guests in the last segment, a lot of work that you've done in the community I have followed as well. Talk to us a bit about your platform and your why that motivates you to run.
5: Currently, my platform includes renters protection, uh, family sustainable jobs, and equitable development. Uh, As a born and raised Erieite on the Lower East Side, as a Latina woman, I've never felt represented or included in a lot of decisions that are going on in our community um, to benefit us. And I feel as though a lot of the people who don't participate in voting don't do it because they don't see the point because for the last 30 or 40 years it's been the same handful of individuals making the same bad decisions so over the last four years since 2018 i've been organizing and actively engaging voters in our community to see that local elections are where the change happens and i continue my fight because the work is never-ending it's gradual change not instant gratification so a lot of people give up and As a 27 year old, I don't wanna move away and take my potential somewhere else. They wanna keep us here. So I think that my lived experiences and the lived experiences of the majority of the working class need to be at the table. And that's why I'm running again. So Mm. we can have different conversations, different perspectives on how to fix our community for everyone.
0: Mm. I like your commentary, Jasmine, you're right. As a 27 year old, this is a demographic that we are losing rapidly in this community. And so oftentimes when, when our young people start aging into their lives as young adults, they move on uh, out of discouragement for many of them. So thank you for, stay- for sticking around and staying in the fight. Let's go over to Greg. Greg, you're one of two Republicans running, which is uh, refreshing. You've got an all-Democratic council right now. Uh, talk about your why and, and what motivates you to run. And I want you to talk a bit about that as well, being one of two Republican candidates, how you think that will play in this race and what significance you think that may have.
4: Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Um, first off, Jasmine, thank you for uh, reminding me that I'm almost 40 years old. So uh, at one point I was 27 and uh, my hat's off to you for all the work that you're, uh, that you're working on and doing in the, in the community. Um, regarding me, um, I'm a restaurateur and also a business owner in the city of Erie. Um, in addition to that, uh, I'm involved with businesses um, in Missouri um, I've worked for some fairly large companies, um, Anheuser-Busch, Nestle, um, Treehouse Foods. Um, I've managed million-dollar budgets up to $1.5 billion budgets. Um, so I don't know if it's good or bad, but uh, you know, I have a little bit of an understanding of, of, of what makes a budget and, more importantly, um, the requirements and, and what it takes to, to be successful and find productivity, um, and related savings to ensure companies remain successful. Um, like I said, I've, uh, I'm, very, I'm heavily vested in the city of Erie. Um, I moved here from, from Maryland uh, in 2013. And you know when I moved here, everyone told me, they were like, what are you doing moving to Erie, Pennsylvania? And quite frankly, at that time I was doing it for a job. Um, but as I got here and I saw the community Um, And I've lived in a lot of different states, a lot of different places. I've traveled a lot. I mean, I think Erie has so much potential. Um, Just, it seems like a a fantastic place to live um, and raise a family. So, I mean, I'm really running because I think that, you know, my business background um, in related operations and budget experience uh, combined with an outsider's perspective um, will assist in fostering alignment, transparency, collaboration, and relationships between institutions, government, and society to what I would believe, you know, help Erie achieve its optimum potential. Mm-hmm. Um, the main, the main, my passion for running is really, like I said, the budget oversight and transparency. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you have to foster collaboration on city council, but we also have to make sure we're holding our city government accountable um, and doing all we can um, to provide an equi- equitable return to the hardworking um, Erie city taxpayers. Um, the next, time I'm, you know, the next thing that's, that I'm passionate about, as you, as you might be able to figure out, is really jobs and economic development. Um, I firmly believe that the backbone of any successful city is identifying the appropriate formula to sustain and attract business, to create good paying jobs, um, a robust modern economy, and a reasonable livelihood um, for all. Um, you know, I believe that invigorating small businesses encouraging new development and allowing citizens to keep more of their hard-earned dollars Um, can create great opportunity um, for everyone involved. And we'll also ensure that we have a government that truly delivers. So, Um, As that all comes together, the other component of this is lower property taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, As we're able to get our hands around the city budget and, and encourage productivity and quite frankly, opportunities to modernize the city government, keep in mind, we've got a lot of money sitting in the city coffers right now. And we have a um, a, a finite amount of time to use that money appropriately um, to really drive to drive the city forward. If we do that, um, I believe we can lower property taxes, and you know lowering property taxes will increase real estate values, which will put more money back in the pockets of Erie City residents. Mm-hmm. Um, it will also decrease the financial burden on hardworking Erie families, as well as those on a on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. It will increase disposable income, creating a catalyst for economic growth and it will also attract people to move to the city um, while also encouraging them to stay in the city. So right. you know, in summary, um, I believe I have, a, I can provide independent, educated experience in regards to city budget.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I believe I understand what it takes to grow jobs and economies. And when that all comes together, I believe we can see uh, lower property taxes across the board.
0: All right, so we'll go on to Marcus. Marcus, uh, same situation, what, what's your why? in terms of running. Uh, Why are you running? And um, why do you feel like you're a good fit for this position?
6: Well, I am running because uh, I believe also that Erie is a city of great potential and we're sitting right on the edge of promise, uh, of a promising future. I believe that Erie is headed toward greater progress and success, uh, but of course there's still work to be done. I I am saying that I wanna be a part of this collective success that we build and recreate here. I believe that we should be investing our resources uh, in every corner of this city, not just in certain place, not just in Main Street or downtown, but in every corner that we should take those resources and encourage more growth in uh, small businesses and entrepreneurship, and that we make sure that we are engrafting individuals in and that we are as inclusive as possible. We have new Americans and minorities in this city who have great ideas, they have uh uh, innovative ways to push the city forward we need to make sure that they are part of the decisions that are being made not just for certain parts but for all parts of the city i believe that we should be advocating for greater access to opportunities and that's that's what i want to do to make sure that we have balanced development in terms of revitalization and and development in our city and so i believe that you know I bring to the table lived experience. As Jasmine said, I'm 28 years old. I came here as a college student. I struggled with a college degree to find a job. I I live on the Lower East Side. I see every day what the effects of poverty have done in this city. And so I wanna be a part of making sure that the next generation that comes behind me emerges stronger, better, and in a city that they can be proud of that really is world-class, and a city of choice.
0: Okay, Marcus, I want to stick with you for just a second. And so uh, you've been here for several years. You are also in ministry. And so we can touch on very briefly, how has that helped shape your view of Erie? So you live on the Lower East Side. Uh, You've gone to college here. Ministry oftentimes, much like Chuck, ministry brings a unique vantage point. What have you learned in addition to uh, your stay as a citizen about Erie from that ministry?
6: Well, I have learned that people aren't as willing to give up as it may seem, that people don't want to leave their homes, their churches, their families, go find opportunities elsewhere. I have learned that um, through ministry and through my time in ministry here in Erie, that people are hungry for something real, and they're hungry for something that is going to be life sustaining outside of the church, um, you know, where Sometimes as an African-American, you can build and create great success. uh, But outside of those four walls, sometimes it is a real struggle to uh, make your way in in the city of Erie. And so, you know, I want to be a part of helping uh, people realize their potential and using their faith to do so. Um, I stayed here simply because, well, to be honest with you, it's because of the church. Um, I, I just believed in what we were doing and what, you know, I was uh, the experience I was gaining here um, through my ministry and through the people that I was coming in contact with. Um, I applied for jobs here. Uh, I applied to Erie Insurance. I applied to Hammett, I applied to St. Vincent. And uh, almost every time I knocked, the door stayed shut. And so I want to be a part of making sure that people, whether they uh, are young or old, middle-aged, whatever you know they identify as. Uh, they will be able to find opportunities because they are here and Mm -hmm. we can create uh, greater opportunities.
0: Marcus, thank you for that. Jasmine, several years ago, I had an opportunity to sit down and and, and watch you uh, participate in a poverty study and I was struck by a few things. One, you were very honest with your narrative. We appreciate that just as a city. Talk to us a bit why you were, uh, what is it about that study that made you want to be involved, why you were so transparent. And how does that play into your candidacy for city council?
5: Well, I have learned that people gravitate to real lived experiences and stories. So when you're honest with your community, they respond very well towards you. So my experience of working and living throughout the city of Erie has been predominantly in under $15,000 salary margin. So I have lived in poverty. I was raised off of food stamps. I know what it's like to have a little bit more month left with no food. So (laughs) the community understands that and they gravitate towards that because it's all struggles that they're currently experiencing. So they like the idea of somebody knowing what they're going through Mm -hmm. to represent them. And that gives them a little bit of hope to actually turn out an election as you stated it was only 187 votes short from locking in a general um ballot spot as a no-name recognition person as a 26-year-old who didn't have any connections so the community is ready for change they just need to see themselves and the people who want to create the change for us so as somebody who's worked and lived in our city all my life It's an experience that a lot of residents are going through, and they're just embarrassed or ashamed because they feel like they're not working hard enough, but Mm -hmm. they're some of the hardest workers you'll ever meet because they're working multiple part-time jobs. They barely see their kids. They're barely sleeping. So it's just an experience that is a true story, and people love true lived experiences.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Jasmine. I think on a federal, state, and local level, more than I've ever seen in my lifetime, people are are hyper invested in wanting to see representation that can empathize with the struggles that they go through. I think that's been one of the number one complaints in politics in general across the board. But now more than ever, people want to know, do you get how I feel? I mean, do you really understand? And so I think the fact that you are so open with your feelings and trying to connect with other people is valuable. Greg will go to you as a small business owner. That is a, um, so you, unique contribution to society takes a lot of risk right takes a lot of faith and and for those reasons not everyone takes the leap to be a small business owner that that is a special thing you look at the way COVID-19 has rocked the economy and how it has affected small business owners especially in our city and abroad and then when you also think about trying to lift up people uh, across the board in a diverse manner as entrepreneurs what are some of your hopes for the entrepreneurial hopes of the average citizen in Erie, if you're elected for uh, the seat in city council, what do you want to see uh, with with job creation
4: for the average citizen of all colors? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, from a job creation perspective, um, from where where I sit, um, there's significant demand um, for good people to come work and also make good wages. And all I mean, I'll define good wages. I mean, I think that. You know, with the with the businesses I own um, that I'm involved with, and other business owners that I'm that I'm also involved with, I mean, it's you know, if someone's willing to put the time and the effort in within a two to three four year period, I mean, they could be making between fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year within that range. So, um, from a business owner's perspective, I see a huge demand. Um, one challenge is it's trying to find the skill set that that fits the roles necessary, but also finding folks that want to lean in and, and learn and train, gain that skill set. And then start making uh, start making more money. So I think that you know, um, again, with with good paying jobs, and I think good responsible employers. With every company I work for, our number one value is our employees. Um, we do everything possible for our employees. Our employees always become always come first. Um, they even come before the customer, um, and we think that's important because generally speaking, if you're doing all you can for your employees, and your employees are happy, they're going to do great work and they're going to deliver a phenomenal service, mm-hmm. and the guests are going to be happy. And, they, you know, a city with jobs and economy and government and taxes, I mean, all those gears intertwine and come together. And I think just like the other candidates were saying, as people, I mean, there's a there's a big piece of pride in being able to get up in the morning and have an opportunity to go to work and deliver for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see, again, where I sit, I see opportunities to hire people all the time. It's just trying to find the right skill set to provide that opportunity. Being someone that
0: understands business, do you see yourself as a potential champion of the the diverse group of people that we have in this this city, uh, of them realizing their own entrepreneurial goals? Do you see yourself as a champion of that?
4: Yeah, most definitely. And I've got a great, I mean, I have a great perspective and I have a varied background. Um, At the age of 25, I left my job at anheuser Bush to buy a, a restaurant and bar in the city of St. Louis. Um, my parents thought I should probably go see a k- psychologist because I thought I was crazy. Um, I bought the bar on a Friday. I resigned from my job. I positioned anheuser Bush on a Saturday. Um, after the, the acquisition deal was done on Friday, I had 50 bucks in my personal bank account. I had $25 in the business bank account. And Luckily, we had enough product. We came out of the gate. We had a strong first weekend. And that really started it within six months. I had the entire business fully paid off and I had grown the staff from four people to 12 people um, there in the city of St. Louis. And so it's cool. And, and some of those same people, while I'm not involved with that business anymore, some of those same folks that were around when I was 25, they're still working there. And it's just like, it's, it's a family. And, and I've been able to be a part of those lives and, and see literally us grow from being in our, you know, our early to mid 20s to, to where we are right now, a little bit older, I'm 40, but you get to see, you know, what that decision was able to do for their lives. And, mm-hmm. and that that transitions into everything that I do every day. You know, I tell all of our employees and I'd say for the city of Erie, you know, the last thing I think about when I go to bed at night is our people. The first thing I think about in the morning is our people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get to think about those folks uh, in between uh, in the wee hours of the morning, depending on what's going on. So, all right. uh, you know, it. it It's really all about people, and I would be a huge proponent. I just think that people got to be willing to work hard. Um, I have a saying, it's plan, do, have. You got to plan what you want to do, you got to do it, and then you can have.
0: Right. Excellent. Thank you for that. One of the things that I was getting at, full disclosure, there are so many people in this community that work hard and want to establish their own like other people have. And it takes a lot of sweat equity, and it takes a lot of drive, but I think that there are a lot of citizens of various backgrounds and areas that have shown that sweat equity in in some of their current occupation and have shown that drive. And many people are wondering what does it look like for those people to be incentivized or assisted in some way, shape, or fashion to realize their goals and dreams. And I think that in that respect, people who understand business, that knowledge can come in handy as a city council candidate. Marcus, let's go to you let's, the diversity, equity and inclusion question that we posed to the last three uh, panelists. What does that mean to you? Again, this is kind of turned into a buzz term. What does that mean to you? What should that look like executed from a city hall level? Again, having a mayor who's dedicated himself to eradicating racism. Right. What do you want to see from this city to really catch up with the times and, and be an example nationwide? in terms of what it looks like to have equity and fairness be a part of our our, our culture here in Erie?
6: Well, I think that we need to make sure that uh, as we are inviting uh, new Americans into our city and as as well as minorities, that we are making sure that we are creating opportunities for them. It's great to have uh, diversity in the city and to be able to say, oh, we're a city of diversity, but what opportunities are we creating? I read a story in the newspaper yesterday of a new American family who is excited that they could possibly receive twenty-six or twenty-one thousand six hundred dollars. Um, but one of the points that was in the uh, President President Biden's um, relief uh, plan, but but one of the things that was brought up, and I think it was very good, is that what do you do when that money runs out? And so while that twenty-one thousand dollars seems like a good idea for a new home or for you know, a car or to put away for children's tuition, that money's not gonna last. What opportunities are we creating in this city so that people of all uh, ethnicities and races um, can benefit from what we are doing uh, and benefit as far as residency in this city? Um, are we creating opportunities in city government in, in in city hall for them to work? Are we creating jobs where they can, you know, uh, display their talents and display the things that they have. Are we making sure that the women that are in this city, the women of color, are able uh, to uh, get good jobs and to have the make the same wage as a man? We need to make sure that we are being equitable across the board um, and that we are not just uh, diverse in 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 name or in uh, practice, but we need to be diverse in practice as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that collective success is a lie unless we all win.
0: Jasmine, run with that same question, equity, diversity, inclusion. What what does that mean to you and how should that be reflected uh, from our city government?
5: Well, I think that as we can see with Erie being, well, us being home to the poorest zip code in the country, us being the worst place for African-Americans to live, that the inclusion and the equity is not there. So we need to really, really address the problems. I think that when all our communities do well, we all do better. Um, If our community has the equity they need to be able to support local businesses, to be able to spend money in our community, we don't have to sit here and try to get tourism to be the bulk of our economy. I think that if we invest in our community and make opportunities that are family sustainable wages for the community all year long, then we wouldn't have to have so many small Developments that after 10 years they leave, we get stuck with the tax bills. We have LERDA programs that people don't end up paying. We have nonprofits that aren't paying their fair share. We balance our budget every year by borrowing money. So we need to make sure that the community has some type of revenue to be able to keep up with the continuous increases of property tax. We mm. also have the parking authority trying to charge us 24 hours for the meters. So it's like we continuously have expenses going on and they keep adding up and the wages in our state have been stuck for minimum wage at 725 for over the last 10 years. We keep fighting for minimum wage increases to 15 and that's not even a livable wage. That's just what our conversation is at to start the conversation. So I just think that unless we're talking real policy, unless we're gonna prioritize the city of Erie residents, that everything is good to talk about but that's all I've heard is people talking. I'm mm-hmm. tired of people talking. I want to see what we're going to do so the next generation of Erie residents don't have to have the same experience as I had in our community. Because mm-hmm. what I experienced and what a lot of people my age are experiencing is we're debts to slave and we're never getting ahead. We're going to be renters forever. And if we actually want to buy a home, we're going to have to leave here and make some other place better. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want to do when we have family here. So, I just think that generally, unless we're talking policy change and prioritizing residents and family sustainable jobs, I'll talk in my eyes.
0: Mm. So, Jasmine, you are 27. You are a, uh, of Latinx descent. You are a woman. And even from a socioeconomic standpoint, you're making decisions from the margins, from various different positions. Do you feel like that's a voice that's missing on city council, people that are making decisions from the margins?
5: DEFINITELY I FEEL LIKE THE MY THAT MY PERSPECTIVE HAS NEVER BEEN A PERSPECTIVE THAT HAS EVEN BEEN AT THE TABLE WHEN ELECTED TO CITY COUNCIL I'LL BE THE FIRST Latina WOMAN EVER ELECTED I'LL BE THE FIRST PERSON I THINK AT 27 I'M PRETTY SURE CURTIS JONES WAS THE YOUNGEST PERSON BUT HE MIGHT HAVE BEEN 28 OR 29 WHEN HE WAS ELECTED I'M NOT QUITE SURE SO IT'S JUST THAT MY RECENT LIVED EXPERIENCES ARE EXPERIENCES THAT HAVE NOT BEEN ON CITY COUNCIL AND THAT'S SOMETHING THAT A LOT OF COMMUNITY MEMBERS WHO DON'T PARTICIPATE in voting, which if we activate them, they are a brand new voting block in our community, will turn out on local elections because they know how important they are.
0: hmm Let's go to the red flags. Greg, we'll start with you. Give us the red flag that, that you look at that keeps you up at night and you say, you know, I, I really wanna go after that. What's that thing for you?
4: I mean, I think that the thing that keeps me up at night is, and it kind of alludes to, I mean, I, I try to get to, to root cause when I'm trying to problem solve and things like that. But, you know, the thing that keeps me up at night is, you know, we continue to see our, our costs of city government. They just continue to go up every year um, to define that a little bit. They do some analysis. I think, you know, overall, the average fully burdened compensation for an uh, Erie city employee is north of $100,000 a year. I think the average uh, individual in Erie makes between like 35 and $40,000 a year. So as you're looking at, you know, government, you know, government spends really gone up probably 50 or 60% over the past decade, you know, while, while basically household income has remained relatively stagnant in the city of Erie, that's a big disconnect. So something has to be done to to either get that more aligned or create uh, an environment that drives economic activity that then creates creates jobs, brings companies to Erie, to then cre- naturally, and in line with standard economics from how I look at it, create opportunity for people. I think if you create opportunity for people, I think there's tons of hardworking people in Erie that just want the opportunity to get involved. And, you know, we get our city government in line, we get our tax structure in line, we're more equitable. You know, people around, people in Erie see that, People around the country see that. And all of a sudden, we have a huge influx of new businesses and, quite frankly, the opportunity to have a huge economic boom, which then provides phenomenal opportunities for everybody. Mm. So that's what keeps me up at night. Marcus,
0: same question. What keeps you up at night? What are the red flags or the red flag in particular that you want to run after with this position if elected?
6: Uh, I wholeheartedly believe that the greatest asset that Erie has is not its lake, but its people. And I believe that we have... um, A generation that is coming behind us that we are not preparing, that we are not investing well enough in, uh, and that we are not giving them the foundational tools to be successful. Uh, Once we've created opportunities and once we have, you know, uh, garnered the the business of companies that are coming to Erie, um, we've got to make sure that we have people right here in this city Uh, that will be able to fulfill those roles and be trained to take on those leadership roles in those companies and take on uh, uh, that workforce. And I don't feel that we are doing that. Uh, I don't know that we have made the investment uh, that we should have in uh, the... Low income neighborhoods and in the community centers which one time at one time in erie were a thriving. uh, 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 resource for for low income neighborhoods Uh, some of the things that that I have seen and heard of the neighborhood centers that no longer exist in those centers, we need to revitalize that because that was a bridge and it filled the gaps for many of the people who have gone on to success uh, in generations that precede mine and those coming behind me. So we need to make a real investment in the human capital of this city, the citizens, the residents, the children, uh, whether red, black, yellow, or white, whatever color they are, whatever neighborhood they are in, we need to make sure that we are preparing them for the success that they will create in the city.
0: Mm. So Jasmine, to be fair, I feel like In many of the responses that you've given, you've kind of given us a sense of what your red flag is and and what keeps you up at night. But touch on that for us, if you will, and then we'll go to final comments.
5: What keeps me up at night is the lack of inclusion and transparency that our community has. I feel like they don't feel like they're a part of a community because they don't know about a lot of things that are going on until after the fact. Decisions are already made on our behalf. So it's like. We have this feeling of it doesn't matter. So for me, it's like, I just want more community involvement. I want people to be vocal about what they want to see happen in Erie residents in our zip code because our state is going to be a gold mine in 10 years when global warming is serious. We have a fresh body water of Lake Erie. We need to make sure that that's clean and we're taking care of it. We need to be the leaders in Green New Deal. So I think that having these conversations with our community members and actually talking to them about the opportunities that we have if they just come out and show up at city council meetings, if they come out and vote every election would be the changing tipping point for our community. So making sure that people know what's going on and that
0: they're involved is what keeps me up at night. Jasmine, if you can just take a few more seconds and tell people why they should vote for you as we head toward the finish line.
5: My name is Jasmine Flores. I've been organizing and advocating for the community of Erie since 2018. I don't back down from a fight, and I know based off of my lived experiences, what young people need to be able to stay in our community, and we need to start having the conversation to change the future of our city for the next generation because the opportunities that I had were not viable, and there's still not many opportunities for young people to stay here and be homeowners, so
0: all right
6: for
5: now on may 18th i'm third on the ballot and i just hope that everybody participates in our local election this year
0: all right thank you uh greg brown in one minute or less tell us why people should vote for you
4: yeah i mean i think number one my number one focus is to get our hands around um the government spend if we do that and that's also using the you know with the, the finite amount of time we have the COVID funds you know we'll be able to modernize government drive productivity That will lower property taxes, that will drive more economic activity, it will create jobs, it will lower crime, it will lower unemployment, it will create population growth, it will create wage increases, property values will increase, disposable income will increase, wealth will increase, people will have less government control in their lives. Economic growth over the long term will be huge and there'll be significantly more opportunities and hope for future generations and quite frankly, current generations. Thank you for that, Marcus.
0: Same question, why should people vote for you in one minute or less?
6: Well, because for the last 10 years of my life, I have spent my time and effort and energy in Erie trying to find solutions to live, to make Erie work for me, to make it a place where I could raise a family, where I could find a job, where I could be a a productive member of society. And I believe I have done that. Uh, Again, I'm young, but I have spent my life in the last ten years, trying to find solutions, and I don't believe I'm done yet. I believe that um, as a city council member, uh, member of city council, I, I can work with our city council, local community organizations, our mayor, uh, whomever that may be, to find solutions that will make Erie a livable city that we can all be proud of that we can promote. I want to make sure that we are giving the, the the next generation a future that they can be proud of, mm-hmm. and so I. I would say vote for me because I am willing I am willing to do everything in my power to see that through and to create solutions that we can all be proud of and make city and make area city Of choice
0: so I want to thank all three of you for running thank you for offering yourselves up in this very unique way to community Uh, Greg thank you specifically for being a small business owner and gambling on Erie we certainly need that we need more people to take that leap so thank you for that Jasmine and Marcus thank you for your service in your own various ways Jasmine your advocacy uh, Marcus your service your service via the ministry and community all of you bring something valuable that can be of immense use on City Council, so thank you so much. Uh, That's it for our show today. Tune in next month for more discussion and more analysis for issues on a local and national level. You can listen to our show on 91.3 FM every fourth Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. For WQLN NPR, I'm Marcus Atkinson. We will see you next time.